When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? What's the worst day of the week that gets us all depressed? M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Here comes more aggravation and a brand new week of stress. Hello, everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation. This is your pal, Dane Al, with another enticing, wonderful episode of Monday Suck. Uh, I hope everyone had a good uh, Christmas break, uh, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever the hell you celebrated. Hope you had a good time, and I hope you had a good New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, sorry for not having a show the last couple weeks, but that was the reason why. So if you didn't get that, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Um, but either way, uh, you know, we got a new show. We got stuff to talk about, and I got an awesome panel with me. Uh, first, my good pal, Nick Smith. Welcome back to Monday Suck. How you doing, sir? I'm fucking great. Uh, it was uh, it, it was an interesting Monday. Um, it wasn't terrible. I got a reasonably good night's sleep. I, I only had like three sips of beer yesterday. I like cracked open a beer at like you ever do this thing? Like you crack open a beer at like I don't know six o'clock at night, and you take like three sips of it, and you're like I don't fucking want this, <laughs> and then you're just you know, you you just go about the rest of your day, you get a reasonable night's sleep, and then the next morning you wake up and you're like, damn, I was like, if I had pushed through that one beer, I probably would have had like seven. Um, but I didn't, and now I feel great about it. I just made a great decision. <laughs> you did make a great decision. I'm proud of you. And I'm going to say yes. That happens to me all the time, so I don't look like a fucking alcoholic. But uh, I'm happy that worked <laughs> out for you and that you got some sleep. Uh, we also got Joe. How are you doing, man? Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, Mondays do truly suck to the point that I'm questioning why I even bothered to be on the show today. Because Mondays suck. <laughs> anyway, I did say yes. And here I am. Oh. <laughs> well, let's get right into it. Uh, so, you know, we we can have a, a, a nice little show, talk about some stuff, and get the fuck out of here. But I did want to talk about some of the gaga and, and what have you of the last couple weeks uh, and a couple of, uh, you know, things to talk about, some of them about comp books, some of them about, well, we'll just get right into it. Let's start off with uh, Ricky Gervais uh, hosting last night the Golden Globes and uh, kind of cut into Hollywood uh, pretty badly uh, um, with his opening uh, monologue. Uh, this is the fifth time Ricky has hosted the Golden Globes, and just remember, the Golden Globes is a completely pointless uh, big awards ceremony where 74 people from the foreign press that don't that live in LA, even though they're part of the foreign press, paid to get a bunch of celebrities in a room and get them wasted for TV shit. So good job and good on you, Ricky Gervais, to take advantage of that and tell everyone to shut the fuck up. Uh, you know, kind of <laughs> making fun of, of of Epstein. He called uh, Joe Pesci Baby Yoda, but asked him not to whack him. Uh, you know, made reference to how. There's been a bunch of pedophile movies like Surviving R. Kelly, Leaving Neverland, and then talked about Two Popes, which is not a movie like that. It's actually about two of the popes just meeting. And just kept on going. Um, 
and uh, basically said the immemorium would be too white, so he didn't allow it to happen. My favorite <laughs> is, pre- is pretty much the ending, uh, and he said, it's the last time, who cares? Apple roared into the TV uh, game with The Morning Show, a superb drama about importance and dignity of doing the right thing made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. Well, you say <laughs> you're woke. Well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for in China, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So if you do win the war tonight, don't use it as a platform to make a political speech. You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So if you win, (laughs) come up. Accept your little word, thank your agent, thank your God, and fuck off, okay? It's already three hours long, right? Let's do the first award. And then just went right into it. I definitely recommend anyone going back and watching it if you have a sense of humor. And uh, I think the best, uh, you know, picture was just a shot of Tom Hanks with his jaw down afterwards. That, that was pretty hilarious. Uh, I thought, obviously, I, I, was a, I was a big fan of this. I thought this was pretty hilarious to spin things on their head. Now, I will say there are many people in Hollywood that do use their time and their own money to progress certain things. A good example of that is Leonardo DiCaprio, and there's so many celebrities that are donating and trying to find a lot of money for what's going on in Australia with the fires. Uh, So there are a lot of good that happens. And then there's a lot of fucking pricks that take Zoloft and shit like that, do their movies, and then act like they're doing a shitload for everything and like to put things, you know, like to act like they're part of, the, the, the middle class and the lower class when they're not, obviously. So I thought this was funny. This definitely uh, caught some people's asses on fire. Um, a lot of people were mad about this. But first, Nick, what did you think about this, 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 this enticing speech by Mr. Ricky Gervais? I, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I think there's a few things at play here. Um, first things first, well, but let me start by saying uh, – my my favorite bit of it was um, him saying how uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio went to the screening of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and uh, had to get a new girlfriend afterwards because the one he was dating was then too old for him. <laughs> like, and the best part about that is they cut to Leo and he was fucking laughing about it like a fucking human being. Like just you can laugh at yourself. It's okay. Um, so I, I absolutely fucking loved that uh, bit. Um, that was probably my favorite bit that he did. Um, but no, like he's right. Like nobody. Like here's the thing: you you can have any sort of causes that you want, any sort of um, political stance, and it, you know what? You won the award. It's your time. You can say whatever the fuck you want. But literally, like nobody fucking cares. Like no, like. No, like, what are the what are the speeches that we like really remember? Um, you know, for for like awards. Not that we really remember any from the Golden Globes, because uh, as you said, Dan, it's like worthless and who cares. Um, but like, what are the speeches that we do remember? It's not the ones where they get up there and they talk shit about like whoever's president at the time they don't agree with or whatever. Um, it's like more the ones that like seem like have this kind of iconic moment. Like I would even think back to um, what like a couple years ago when Gary Oldman won. Like that was the kind of speech that like you remember. Like when he got up there and he was like, "Look, like you know, like 
we, we we live in a world where like we can't even have dialogue with one another and it fucking sucks and like you know that's the kind of thing that you know kind of more sticks out it's not um you know it's not my side's right, your side's wrong, blah, 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 blah. It, it does definitely alienate a portion of your fan base. Not that you should really care about that, but nevertheless, um, it's just it's just not um, it, it, it's not really something that even the people who agree with you really care about. Like, um, and furthermore, um, it, it, he is right. Like, there's there's a lot of um, there, there there's a lot of uh, hypocritical. Uh, nature behind any of these speeches um, about doing what's right and blah 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 blah. When a lot of these actors are, you know, cashing huge paychecks from companies uh, that, you know, um, essentially, uh, you know, make a lot of their money off of, you know, very shady um, uh, practices. So. You know, I, I, I do think that is interesting. I I think Ricky Gervais would probably be the first to point out that he's guilty of that as well. But I also think there's a difference between, say, using your Twitter to talk about, you know, whatever your personal beliefs are and, and trying to have a fucking 10-minute monologue uh, on stage about, you know, why, you know, you hate the president. Um, so... You know, and when all of these people are like, "All right, we get it," and I think it was actually kind of telling that um, the audience kind of cheered when he said that. And I think probably a lot of the actors that are there are like, "God, do we have to hear another fucking political rant from our peers?" Like, dude, I saw you at a party last week. I know what the fuck you think about all of this shit. Do I really have to hear about it on stage? I'm ready to go home, man. I'm fucking wasted. Like. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to sit through this shit. So I think there is a bit of that as well within within the actual community. Um, what I what I kind of found most interesting was when he made the Epstein joke and the audience kind of oh. gasped. And I was like, "What? Like, like these people are?" And to me, that showed more of how they're out of touch than anything else in the whole thing. Because like regular everyday people, like. We know the like Epstein didn't kill himself means like, and it's been the people, the society that is like kept that in the zeitgeist and kept that thing going because if it was up to the media, it would have just been fucking buried a long time ago and we wouldn't be talking about it. Um, but because of people on social media, it's like one of the few times where social media has been a like force for like somewhat good is like keeping that in the public consciousness. Um, because it is kind of important, um, and uh, the fact that like they all kind of gasped at it, it's like, what? Like that's the thing you gasped at? Like that's fucking weird. Um, and the fact that he took that as his cue to be like, look, I know it was all your friends. Like I was like, oh my <laughs> god, dude, fuck yes. Um, so yeah, I fucking loved it. I do think it's funny that um, uh, that there's probably a lot of people out there. Um, who just hate not just um, actors having opinions, but more so hate the opinions that a lot of actors have, who um, are probably like, oh, look at Ricky Gervais just like fucking slay these people. And it's like, you know he holds all those opinions too. He's not saying don't hold those opinions. What he's saying is 
don't waste our time with telling us the opinion we already know on stage when we have a three-hour fucking ceremony because no one fucking cares enough to fucking listen to you talk about it at the fucking Golden Globes. <laughs> like, um, which I think that point has flown over some people's heads. Um, but nevertheless, I thought it was fucking brilliant. I thought it was great. I think it, it, it at the very least, is something that most average people can kind of rally around and say, like, yeah, like, this guy kind of gets it. Um, and for that, like, you know, I, I do give him, like, a, a you know, a brief round of uh, proverbial applause, if you will. Yeah, and, and I mean, he did – he did show humility even in the, the speech itself at the beginning of it when he said, I mean, Kevin Hart was fired from the Oscars for some offensive qu- tweets and goes, hello, and like spins her, like, you know, like, have <laughs> right. you not seen what the fuck I'm capable of in, in stand-up comedy and just like just being a satirical asshole? And I, I love the Epstein comment just because everyone comes, oh, yes, oh, no, or the, uh, what was what was the other uh, made mention, the guy that was involved with uh, Harvey uh, Weinstein, that same type of oh, like, I know from the audience. I don't remember his name, but I, I know you're talking about. I in front of me. Yeah, well, they said you're all scared of that gentleman. I forgot who it was, but either way. Right. Uh, Joel, what what did you think about this speech um, from Ricky Gervais last night on the Golden Globes? Well, I thought it was uh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of Ricky, and uh, I, I love when he does anything. <laughs> and, uh, I, does, and I love that he keeps everything real. And he kept everybody in check basically over there last night. And I don't really watch the Globes much, so for me, I was I was gonna skip it regardless. But none of that that political shit usually gets to me until I see it on Twitter. <laughs> so for me, it's nothing. But he has a point. As anyone sitting there or anyone that watches it, sometimes it gets annoying. And I see why they do it. I get it. It's a big platform. Speak your truth, whatever it is. Um, but I mean, at this point, it's like. It does get annoying, uh, and people just, you know, the reason we're, they're there is to, it's to get away from all that kind of shit, and and sometimes it's it's always going to sneak up on us, and unfortunately, Hollywood isn't exactly the, the most innocent place on, on on the planet, and sometimes they, they kind of stick their nose up to a lot of certain things, but there's a lot of grimy shit going on in Hollywood, a lot of hypocrites up in there, and uh, it kind of called them out, and, and I, I appreciate that. Um but, you know, like Nick was saying, like, he does hold a lot of the same opinions. It's just a matter of, like, where are you saying it and shit like that. So um, I totally agree with him, and I thought it was fucking hysterical. So, yeah, but there's nothing else for me there. Uh, it, was, it was good. It was a good speech. Well, well whatever, we'll die try we had. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I kind of think that, you know, stand-up comedians are kind of, Putting comedy back on a platform, I believe, uh, including Ricky with this, uh, where it's like we're, we can be okay with making fun of stuff and kind of stop taking away uh, so much pent-up aggression uh, towards satirical statements and stuff like he says that's very fucking true. That's very hypocritical. It's fun to mm-hmm. put that back out. That's the reason why I like South Park. That's the reason why I like a lot of right. different things because it's able to make fun of situations that really, no matter what side you're on, it doesn't matter what religion you are, you need to fucking hear this, even if you believe that stuff, just to put you in check a bit, just to humble you a bit. So I liked it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't give a fuck about the Golden Gloves, like I said. I think they're a sack of shit up for an <laughs> award show. 
Um, and I think that the Nick, Nickelodeon Teen Choice Award you should probably hold is about as much standard because um, it's least <laughs> well, entertaining children. Uh, MTV but, Movie hey, whatever. Award for life, son. Best kid. There you go. There you go. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, move on. And, uh, uh, guys, let's talk about all this Collider stuff. As, uh, you know, and if you guys oh. don't know what Collider is, Collider Entertainment, um, at least it started off as Colliding, Collider Movie Talk, which was a podcast that spawned from AMC Movie Talk, started by John Campia. I think 2012, 13, basically, uh, is when I mm-hmm. first started listening to it. Um, and with people in the podcast world that have become, you know, podcast famous, I'll just say, YouTube famous, if you will, uh, people like John Schnepp, uh, rest in peace, who passed away, uh, the Schmoes, which were Mark Ellis and Christian Harloff, uh, and a lot of just amazing people within there, Perry Nemiroff, uh, you know, working on these different podcasts to really go into entertainment, but also make it so it's like you're talking to your friends, uh, John Campia always said that the point of movie talk was supposed to be like the ESPN uh, of, you know, uh, movies, basically, that type of discussion roundtable thing. And I think the popularity a bit of that concept is starting to dip. Uh, but recently, uh, Mark, uh, is it Mark Andreco? Is the, uh, yeah, I have Mark Andreco. Yeah. Yeah. He, he kiboshed it. Um, he decides that, he was going to shut down Jedi Council, Movie Talk, Collider Live, which was uh, hosted by Paul Christian Fernand- Mark Fernandez. Mark Fernandez. That's what I thought. I think I thought I was saying the wrong person. Andrei Mark Andrei was involved with the Schmodown. <laughs> yeah. Right. Either way, he, he owned Complex. He bought out Collider. Frosty was the main uh, contributor for Collider and then formed all the shows that we know. But anyways, their main four shows, like I said, Collider Live, Collider Movie Talk, uh, Jedi Council, and uh, there was one more. Oh, uh, the, the comic book one they had that John Schnepp used to host. All were uh, going to be kiboshed, and they were going to go into yes, heroes. They were going to go in the direction of having it uh, with their deep fake stuff and more celebrity-based, um, you know, interactions. Uh, and that's good. I understand that, especially since John has left, and uh, before he wasn't going to really talk about any of this. John Campia. I wasn't going to really go in-depth about anything. He, he even said that about it, that you got to do what you have to do in that type of situation with business. Like many have said, he wishes that, you know, and a lot of people have said this, like I said, uh, many, uh, you know, that he would have at least told some of the talent ahead of time instead of waiting till right after fucking Christmas and then telling them day of, oh, you guys don't have jobs anymore, which is what he did with a bunch of them. Yeah. So there is some kind of shady element to it. We'll get into the second round in which the second person in command of Collider decided to make a bunch of disparaging comments, which caused John Campion <laughs> to fucking go off. Uh, but right now, since these things, th- these people, at least for me, and I'm pretty sure you guys feel this way too, inspired me to start doing podcasting mm-hmm. in the first place. So the fact that, yes, Christian Harloff has his own show uh, now, which is awesome, mm-hmm. by the way. And all of them have their own channels. John Campia does too. And it looks like they're going to be working together. We might be getting movie talk back because John basically demanded on Twitter that since they're not going to do anything with it, he'd like to have it back. So he's probably going to do something with that. I don't know. Either way, it just sucks. It's the end of an era. Uh, what do you think, Joel, about all this? And uh, how do you feel about the fact that even if you might not have been watching all the shows, Collider – their entertainment section of all these round table discussions are going to be no more on the platform. 
Um, yeah, it hurts, man. Uh, I did watch. I, I stopped watching as much. I listened. Like, I, instead of watching, I, I listened to them in podcast form. Because uh, I used to be able to watch YouTube a lot more. Nowadays, it's less often. So I found a way to do that by just listening to them on podcast. So that's what I've been doing for the last flock four years now. <laughs> Either way, I still love uh, Movie Talk and Heroes and Jedi Council and Live. Uh, they were a big part of why, just like you, why I do what I do and why we're doing what we're doing right now uh, is because of them and, and, and people like them. Uh, and they were a place I like, I love this. I love listening to sports radio, like sports talk. Um, and I need, I wanted a place like that for like um, movies and geeky shit and like talking comic book movies, especially comic book movies. And they were the first place I found that did that. And that's where I, I got it. I got kind of addicted to listening to like, my version of like a sports talk but for geeks <laughs> it was really fun they were really sweaty and we got the word sweaty from them and uh, i miss like big john snip and all them and uh it just it, it just sucks that you know that element is gone now they're not dead per se because like you said um christian's still uh, you know his his crew in, in scm live a lot of them will probably end up there at some point if not all of them at some point, um, especially the people I'm used to listening to. Obviously, there's still some people at Collider that still have their jobs there, so they probably won't be as um, visual. Hopefully, that's not true. Hopefully, we do get to see them talk more. Um, but at the end of the day, man, it does suck a lot of ass. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very surprised that they weren't able to keep up their numbers or whatever the fuck issues they had. Um, but, man, I really love that crew. I've always wanted to meet them. Never got a chance to actually do so. And now it definitely doesn't seem like any likely, unless I go to, like, a Schmodown event nearby, which which seems likely. Um, One day maybe I'll do that. I I don't watch as much as I'd like to. But, you know, I just – they're really cool people. Uh, They're exactly, like, my inspiration for for doing what I do now. So it really – it bums me out, but I know they're not technically gone. It's just – you know, like like AMC and Collider have been with us for so long. It's it's hard to see it, like, technically gone, you know. So I'm so so used to it. So, but – you know what? They live on in other areas. You can always follow them on Twitter and Instagram. And they'll be on other shows. So they're not technically them, but I'm still going to miss them in that, that, that the era. Like you said, the end of an era. Very well said. And, yeah, that's the whole thing is, like, even though there will be more past this uh, involving all these guys creatively right. and we'll be able to see where they go, it is the end of something that's been going on for a long time and involving and, unfortunately, technically devolving. Uh, remember these these the views that uh, movie talk used to have was over a hundred thousand for each episode easily, uh, and they yeah. were getting around twenty three thousand on a good day with all their shows, even their biggest shows. So it definitely uh, John Camp even said that when he left, it was because he knew where the creative direction was going, and he wasn't really into that. And he wanted to do something mm-hmm. by himself. Uh, they had him come back for a little while. He brought the numbers back up. But he was like, under my watch, you know, we had episodes that were over 100,000. And I want to believe him. I mean, I don't think I have to go too far uh, to find that information out. It just sucks that, I mean, it, it, it's to do with the listeners themselves. It, stuff becomes stale. Uh, just like I said, like the roundtable discussion might have become stale. But yeah. it also has to do with what they're pushing. And honestly, some of the – it just became um, – some stuff I will say, I think some of the people were a little bit politically fueled. I'll just put it at that. And I think that some of it was kind of 
it just wasn't the it wasn't the same once John Schneff passed away. And when Mark Ellis left, and then shortly after that, or and Campy left, and then we had Christian left. That was like the last of the Mohicans for me. So it just kind of sucks. But a lot of them are still there. Like Perry Nemiroff, I'm pretty sure Dennis Zen's still there. Yeah. Mark Riley, he, yeah, he got uh, canned. Serena. Uh, but she's still there. So that, yeah, that's good for them. Yeah. They have they have content for them. Uh, Scott Mance, which is he's the one who does like the celebrity stuff. Uh, it's just funny because, as as John pointed out, some of their viewings for those shows, you know, besides the deepfake stuff, is is the same level, basically, or less than what they were giving shit for the other shows. But that's here nor there. Like I said, John was very mad. We'll get to all that. But first of all, Nick, what do you think about all this <laughs> happening? Yeah, it's hard to compartmentalize at this point um, between just the shows being gone and the essentially the – like where we are now, but I, I will. Um, I agree with you, um, Dane. Well, first let me say this. Um, I don't have the exact same relationship that you guys have with Collider. Um, it didn't make me want to do podcasts, but I think what it did <clears throat> was it made me better at doing podcasts. Um, like it, it, it gave Absolutely. me something to watch. It gave me something to watch to kind of be like, okay, this is how professionals do it. Um, and it was one of the first big things that I watched that I like, you know, like I, I listened to that before I ever got into like NBA podcasts and, you know, before I ever started a, an NBA podcast myself. Um, and um, I shouldn't say myself, but with Joel and Juwan. Um But like, <laughs> Shouts, uh, but nevertheless, like it's, it's, it was, it was like something that I could, I could tangibly see and see, like, okay, this, like, this is how it's done, um, and I still think their format, like, is, um, like, w- was, is, or I guess now was one of the better formats, like, um, the way that they did the rundown, the way that they, um kind of made sure that they, you know, deviate, uh, uh, split up time between multiple people and had a panel um, because, like, you know, that's something that we had to kind of figure out along the way. And I just think that kind of example, like being able to watch those shows daily, um, just gave me, like, so much of, like, uh, so much – stuff to absorb um and 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 a, a a way to like essentially be like all right this is this is how i think i want to conduct a podcast that i would maybe do myself or be a part of a, a podcast between multiple people um and you know so i i definitely feel like i learned a lot from them um but uh you know Obviously, Dane. I mean, you you kind of introduced me to them. At least I think you did. I don't remember specifically, but I, I mean, I, I I did start watching them after um, we started doing our podcast. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely feel like you were a big influence to kind of get me to like watch them. Um, but even aside from that, that being different, I. I have not watched in in a while now 
Um, and, you know, that, that might be essentially, um, you know, what, what ended up <clears throat> pushing them to make this kind of decision, um, that the views are, are probably down. Um, they, they've lost a lot of people along the way. I think, to your point, Dane, um, I think losing Campia was huge. Obviously, losing Schnepp to his um, untimely death was was very very big. Um, I think um, once the two of them left, it, it I kind of already started to kind of pull back a little bit. Um, and and that's it's interesting because I don't even watch Campia's solo show. I I don't really like Campia in. And, and this is not a knock on Campia. It's just a personal preference. In the back I don't really like him <laughs> in, in in like a um, like a solo format. I like him with a team. Um, and I thought when it was you know him and Schnepp and Perry, and then you had like kind of a guest that would float in and out. Like maybe you'd have Mark Ellis, maybe you'd have Christian, maybe you've had um, you know Josh McCuga or whoever. Um, you know, I, I thought that was just like such a perfect format for them. Um, and, you know, like John said, you know, he didn't like the, the direction it was going. And apparently a lot of other people didn't either because a lot of other people started leaving. And mm-hmm. I think they shot themselves in the foot by not listening to the people that made the channel what it was. And when you don't listen to um, when you when you don't when people don't feel like they're being heard, they're not going to – if they have other avenues, they're not going to stick around. And you know, uh, the people who had built up enough of a reputation um, to, to have a following outside of Collider, uh, I don't blame them for leaving because of you know, what we speculate as to what was going on behind the scenes you know, at that point in time, two, three, four years ago. And, you know, ultimately, I agree with John. I don't blame them for necessarily pulling the plug. I think the timing was really bad. Um, but to some extent, I, I will depart from John. I, I do think that it's a mistake to completely pull the plug. Like, even if you don't want to do all four shows, you could kind of combine them in a way, and maybe you would have to, you know, of course, I don't even think maybe, you would have to shrink your staff, but, like, you have enough people there uh, between those four shows to where you could pick out who you think would be best and maybe do a show a week or two shows a week or whatever um, and still have that be, you know, something that is, that is you know, very, very viable, um, at least in my opinion. Um but that's not the direction they wanted to go. Um, I watched one of those deep fake videos, and I thought it was funny at times. Um, it didn't. It didn't make me want to go back and watch another. <laughs> um, just personally, um, like I, I was like, "Oh, that was that was cute," I guess. Um, and you know, I mean, I, 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 I don't think it's anything special. Um, per se, um, but uh, you know, and and I do, I haven't, I haven't checked it out yet, but I do look forward to like going and watching the the 
um, the video, uh, you know, that they, with the um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Quentin Tarantino thing that Mance put together. Um, like I very much, I haven't, like I said, I haven't checked it out yet, but I look forward to going and watching it because I'm a huge Tarantino fan. Um, but like, that's the thing. Like I'm a huge Tarantino fan, but if it's not, like, what happens when they're doing something on Mortal Engines? You know, her, and you don't even have Peter Jackson mm-hmm. there because he's just an executive producer. Like, who the fuck's gonna watch that? Um, like, you're you're just, you're not gonna get enough of those type of engagements, I think, to even put out the necessary content that you need to put out daily or to, even weekly. Um, like, yeah, you, you, like that that particular video, I'm sure will get a lot of engagement. Um, but like, it, there's just a ton of other things that they will probably do that won't even get close to that because they don't involve Quentin Tarantino. So, yeah, I think it's a mistake. Um, I think they're probably um, somewhat underestimating what I guess what those particular shows um, meant to their fan base and. If your fan base feels scorned, um, it, it could cost you. I agree, and that's very well said. Um, and, you know, I agree with you on the principles of just condensing the shows down, but if you don't think that you have the numbers, I mean, that makes sense. But then again, if part of what you're doing is now the celebrity-styled stuff that, you know, and you were kind of trying to push that to have interviews, which were awesome for the most part on Collider Live, I will say that. But that seems as sustainable as the numbers that you're getting for these programs if you were to say, all right, we have a comic book show and we have a Star Wars show. Let's put them together. Let's make Collider Live and Collider Movie Talk the same show. Let's put those two together and have the more conversational. The thing that pigeonholed them is the fact that they wanted to be more family-oriented even with a show like Collider Live. So they got in trouble one time because Roxy Stryer said, suck my pussy on air. And it, that show was supposed <laughs> to have a Howard. So much. <laughs> that show was supposed to have a very Howard Stern-like concept. That's what Christian built it on. And this, the whole thing, like I know that they're still friends, but when Christian made the comment that was supposed to be jokingly, but he was aggravated about not getting invited and not doing the piece about uh, Galaxy's Edge over in Disney. Instead, they got two people that were were writers, but they were they were um, they weren't full writers for Collider and how. He, he really wanted to do it, obviously, and said that he wasn't going to report on it on Jedi Council, which is the reason why it bounced off. And then Thad Williams came on and started telling him on air that he was going to do it regardless. And basically this, this, this guy now has Christian's old uh, position as, like, the guy in charge of everything. And Christian responded very bad. But I think anyone going back that far that watched that realized that that was fucked up to try to bring that out on the air and tell him and basically a younger guy fucking telling Christian basically what he is and what he isn't going to do because he's higher up and has that power instead of just talking to Christian off air and disciplining him based on that, which is what you would fucking do. Uh, that that whole thing really put a bad taste in my mouth. Soon after that, Christian was gone. Uh, you know, that, it didn't take too much. And I know that he says that that wasn't directly the reason. I tend to think that that's part of it. There's no fucking way in my head that 
Besides that, throwing in celebrities, trying to make that the main thing of the show, censoring them a bit, trying to kind of push, you know, certain trends and stuff like that. All of that collectively killed the shows and the entertainment value of why I watched the shows in the first place. The camaraderie seemed fake. It didn't seem as genuine uh, as it once did. And I think all that kind of, you know, hurt it. But either way, let's talk about the second half because this is where – Beforehand, like I said, I can understand why Mark wants to try to position something in a new way. Um, the deep fake stuff, I don't think, and even John Campion, a bunch of people are saying, like, that's becoming more and more obtainable for every person to be able to do that. The technology will be there in the next couple of years. So trying to just bank on that doesn't seem like very smart at all, uh, in, in my opinion. But, you know, you've got to do stuff that you think is the cutting edge and what's going to bring your company forward. The second person right underneath uh, Mark is a gentleman by the name of Jack Hind. So Scott Mance, you were alluding to this, uh, uh, made a comment about him interviewing the cast of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He said, best moment from yesterday's sold out Q&A. And, you know, everyone's there. And everyone that has commented on this, John Campia, I know that Andy Signore, I've I've kind of, uh, you know, been messaging him back and forth about this whole entire thing, commented on it. Scott's a nice guy, nothing to fucking do with him. Now, this Jack Hyde ass fuck said, in reference to that, shared it on Twitter and said, I wonder why Collider chose to focus their resources on industry professional content and not daily movie commentary and fart jokes. All right. Um, uh, and, And from that, basically, he was called out by Ken Knapsack. Now, very well respected from that whole entire community, uh, and myself, another guy that I really like. And basically, you know, his, his comments were, you, hey, just to let you know, all those people that you just, like, you know, talked about and the fans of them, they're the reason why you are there in the first place. Yeah. They're the reason why Collider is what Collider is. And he said it much, much better than that. I can't find his tweet, but Jack tried to double down, and and uh, Ken wasn't having it, and he said – no, you, le- you deleted your original thing, but you can't run, and then took a picture of it so that everyone would know what it was. I've been an industry professional longer than you've been alive. Jobs come and go. Companies, too. You'll soon find that out. Our integrity remains. People lost money and medical. You danced on their graves. Take your medicine, son. So Ken was kind of pissed. And in reference to that, yeah. Jack Hine could have just apologized and could have just gone from it. And said, sorry, the daily shows and the weekly shows you were all on did not perform well enough to stay around. It sucks. It really does. But the YouTube community didn't support you or the channel only now once you're gone. Um, and so, so Campia, Campia had a lot to say about this. He was pretty pissed off. I definitely think that everyone should check out his video. He didn't hold back. Well, he did because he knew that, you know, the day and age that we're in, and this guy is some prick fucking – he looks like he's in his mid-20s. Uh, so, obviously, John doesn't want to get sued, even though he called him, I think, a dick zit at least 60 fucking times <laughs> in the rant. Did. <laughs> uh, just very pissed off at the fact that what he – you know, and John kept his mouth shut about what happened when he left. And he wasn't going to fucking say anything. He tried to be positive, but he has a respect for Ken Napsoff. And he said, I built this fucking thing. And you guys ran into the fucking ground. You got me to come back 
and I got it back built up again, and you fucking did the same thing when I left, and I found out your new creative direction, and I kept my mouth shut, I acted fucking cool about it, and I watched you guys completely take creative that, that were good friends of mine, that are some of the most creative people on the planet, and pigeonholed them, basically. He, he said it a hell of a lot, like, less, uh, I think, nice than I did just now. He was very angry. He kept on repeating himself, but you could tell that he was pissed off and that this bullshit, you know, it, it shouldn't stand. He said that he even said that I contacted Mark. I don't really give a shit. I told him, you have a problem with this guy. You need to deal with it because if that's someone that represents your company, especially the person right underneath you, that does not make you look good or your company look good. Uh, you know, a bunch of people lost their jobs from this, and you also told them the day of. So he kind of was not going to go in this direction. Obviously, course correction because of this, and went very, very deep into it. And I just have to say that I respect Ken for saying something. I respect John for saying something. I think it's fucking bullshit. And this Jack fuck, my God, he looks like he cares more about how many fucking tweets he puts out there than actual people, to me, at least. And he's British, so he probably is a giant douchebag no matter what. Not, no offense to any of our <laughs> British fans, but it just doubles up if you're some young guy in your fucking 20s, smug. You know, fucking, and you got a British accent too, so you fucking know everything. Go fuck yourself, unless you're Ricky Gervais. Anyways, um, Nick, what do you think about all that? I'll just throw it on you because you're laughing, so I want to put you on the spot. Well, I think uh, I think Ricky Gervais would be the first to say uh, that uh, you know um, he, he's a miserable cunt too. Um, so I, I don't think he's excluded from it. Um, but uh, no, I, dude. That was first of all it's it's a goddamn shame. I don't think since his passing have I ever like just really wanted Schnepp to like be here just so Schnepp mm-hmm. could fucking like bury this Eat him alive. Dude. Like oh dude, like could could you imagine like what Schnepp would be saying right now? Like oh my god. Like Campia and fucking Napsock were fucking tame compared to what Schnapp would be saying to this fucking kid right now. Um, but uh, nevertheless, um, I just think it was, it was just utterly unprofessional. Like that's that. I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, like, and and you know, coming at this from the perspective of not someone who is necessarily like angered by it because I don't I don't have. I don't have the kind of connection, obviously, that John has to these people, um, or you know, the kind of connection where you know Ken uh, obviously uh, you know had employment there um, and also had connection to these people. Um, but just from you know the uh, um, you know a bird's eye view, it's just totally unprofessional. Like you don't, I don't know why you would want to try to engage in in that. It just shows. I think Campia said this at one or two points in um, his tirade, um, and I don't, I don't even necessarily think Campia did a very good job of, and and and, and I forgive him for, or forgive is, is probably the wrong word, but I, I can understand why it, it, his was a very emotional response at that point in time, um, but like he said that. You know, this person, you know, doesn't have the experience, blah, 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 blah. But I think the thing that stood out to me most was he doesn't have the wisdom to to have this kind of job. 
and that I think shows in the fact that he would send out this these tweets, and like you said, Dane, was kind of put into a corner, and instead of just apologizing and saying, you know what, that was poor taste, yeah, I shouldn't have said that, you know, he's like doubles down on it, and then, you know, wants to still talk shit, and it's like, dude, like, you've got to, in, in the fucking infinite fucking wisdom of Kenny Rogers, man, you got to know when to hold him and know when to fold him, bro, like, you cannot fucking say shit like that, and, and, like, expect that there's not going to be any sort of backlash because, I mean, it's not going to be the kind of backlash that, you know, is, um, you know, uh, 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 trending on Twitter, but it is the kind of backlash within this community, the community that we are in, the community that all of the folks of Clyder are in, that, like, it makes it, it like it kind of makes me not even want to like like watch the Tarantino interview, even though like I do, and I you know I'm not like a huge Scott Mance fan. Um, like he, I've always thought he was just kind of maybe a little annoying. Um, but uh, it, and this is just this like this mostly from his um, his persona on um, uh, on. Uh, uh, Oh, shit, uh, the Schmoes knows um, uh, uh, Schmodown, the Schmodown, um, which is you know probably a little bit of him, but a little bit of persona because you know they all all play up kind of various characters. Um, but uh, nevertheless, like I, you know, I I still have always had a lot of respect for Mance. Um, I, it, it, but it does it makes me not even want to watch it because I don't like I don't want to fucking support. A fucking company, just like Campia was saying, mm-hmm. like this says this says something about your company, and it's like fuck, man, I don't, I don't even really want to fucking go watch it now. Like I've already, I mean, I've watched several panels on it. I I can't imagine there's too much new information. Um, like I, you know, it's it's just it's such poor taste. It's absolutely poor timing. Even if it wasn't in poor taste, it would still be poor timing. Um, and I just – I don't know why you would do that. I, I don't – like it, other than a lack of wisdom, a lack of being in the industry long enough, a lack of just being in the world long enough to know when you should you know, kind of punch back and when you should like pull your punch and you know maybe just when you shouldn't punch first um, and – it's just it's it's really really fucking bad and I don't know if this this dude's gonna get fired I doubt it um, you know I maybe but who knows um, but it's just it was in such poor fucking fashion um, and I I don't know I just hope that um, I hope that all of these people who were involved with Collider can come up with some way to kind of reunite in some sort of fashion, whether it be splintered or whatever, because that's going to be something that I, I would have a lot more interest in following because like as John Campia would tell you, or any fans of Collider would tell you Collider video, that is any fans of that would tell you it was the people. That was why we started watching the show because we cared about 
we like these people. We like their opinions. And like you said, Dane, it was supposed to be like you were sitting around talking about movies with your friends. Um, and that's that's like the element that they wanted to go for and that they definitely achieved. And, you know, that's, that's more of what I would care to watch. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I certainly don't have an interest in watching these deep fake videos. Um, and, you know, like I said, with the panel thing, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's going to be hit or miss as far as my interest in it. So, um, I don't know. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope maybe old Jack Hines learned a, a valuable lesson here. Um, but you know, it, it, it seems like the only lesson that he probably would have learned in this situation is, um, you know, don't fuck with the Jedi master son. <laughs> um, and then, uh, that being John Campia, uh, and, one more thing, like the whole, like the whole fucking, um, like uh, what he, whatever he said about whatever and and fart jokes. It, it honestly, it kind of reminded me of like, um, in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back when uh you know Ben Affleck is like talking to Jay and Silent Bob and he's like, they're like why would I want to spend my time writing a keep to keep writing about dick and fart jokes, man? It just gets old. You get tired of it. Don't you ever want more? I know this poor hapless son of a bitch does, and he's, like, pointing at Silent Bob. And But, like, that is a play – like, that whole scene is a play on Kevin Smith and, like, his – like, his movies. He's, like, actively playing on himself uh, or, or making fun of himself in that regard. Um, but the thing is, like, like, at the same time, like, that's what made Kevin Smith. That's why people love Kevin Smith. That's why fucking he can go on this big tour to promote Jay and Silent Bob Reboot and get sold out wherever the fuck he goes to fucking present this movie because that's what people fucking love. Like, look, I fucking loved Red State. I think it was a fucking phenomenal movie. Tusk, eh, it was all right. But, like, what people love about Kevin Smith is fucking Clerks and Jay and Silent Bob and that kind of shit. And, like, that's kind of the same way I feel about Collider. And so, like, I feel like that comment in and of itself just presents the fact that, like, this Jack Hines dude doesn't fucking get it. He doesn't understand why people like this. That's not to say they can't rebrand. That's not to say they can't bring in a new audience. Um, But I don't think he is – I don't think he has a good perception of what his existing audience loved about um, about Collider, and I think that could be a problem for them going forward. I agree. Very, very well said, and uh, I do agree with you that Jack should probably, you know, learn from this, and uh, I hope that he does, and I also hope he gets herpes. Uh, Joel, what did you think of all this? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I take away a lot of the same things. Uh, Jack Hunt uh, could eat a dick, honestly. Um, I don't know him. I never even heard of this man. Um, they took away literally all the shows I actually gave a shit about. Uh, so yeah, how do you think I feel? <laughs> he he basically took a shit uh, on everything I loved. Uh, so uh, obviously he works there. He should he would know. You think he would know better? But um, we'll see. I like, I don't want to wish anything bad on the company because there's still a lot of people that I respect. Uh, and and you know they still have jobs there. Um. 
So in that regard, I don't want to see it fail. But at the same time, I have no vested interest uh, right now. And I, like, there's nothing for me. I don't watch anything that they're actually – I don't care about anything else. <laughs> so it took away everything I cared about. Um, so unfortunately, they might lose uh, someone like me uh, that only really watched and, and listened to the to their main shows. All of those four um, – the, the, the panel shows, you know. Um but like you said, like you guys already mentioned, this dude was very rude. Obviously, he didn't care for these shows at all. Probably wasn't a fan, um, which rubs me the wrong way already. I respect Mark Fernandez 100, percent but at the same time, like that, like it, that's not a good look. That dude is not a good look on your company, shitting on your basically um, what you brought in. He put money into those shows. He kept that show, those shows alive when when AMC was killing them. You know, they, they they canceled those shows. Collider bought it and brought them in. So he saved a lot of jobs and brought and expanded upon what was already there. But, you know, at the end of the day, they weren't able to sustain it. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that Campy is gone, uh, you know. But at the same time, you know, I just – I'm not a fan of how that dude approached anything. Like, I don't know. Like, if you have nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. There was no, no promotion there. Like, I don't understand what was – like. Like he seemed upset that people were upset that they like these shows went away. Like I don't understand how what what did you why don't you get why that people are upset about people losing these shows? Like like a lot of people are upset because these shows these people mean a lot to us, you know. So I don't know. Fuck that guy, honestly. I don't know. I, <laughs> just annoyed. I read that too, and I was just annoyed. Yeah. Like, so, uh, <laughs> I was just annoyed the rest of the day. <laughs> It would it would basically be like if your favorite TV show was canceled, and then the fucking like vice president of the um you know uh the 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 company that made the TV show tweeted out you know um some something else yeah. like like some new show and was like and people wonder why we canceled that bullshit show and it's like fuck you dude like that's fucked up yeah. man I fucking love that show like. <laughs> Like imagine—it's such a stupid fucking thing to do. Like imagine if, if like I'm trying to think of like a scenario that's kind of cool. oh okay. Like what if what if like Kevin Feige went on a rant about the Netflix shows and just like decimated oh, the acting on that wasn't that great. Right. And, I mean it was very right. very it wasn't well done to our standards. Like it just comes off so right. fucking pompous and and douchey. Oh, God damn it. Uh, we're about to talk about something that I feel like is a list that Jack probably contribute on voting uh, if you can't tell the direction where I'm going to, guys, because uh, I want to leave that <laughs> motherfucker alone. I hope the best for Collider. Um, I'm probably not going to ever listen to you again, but I hope the best for you guys to be around for another year. Yep. Um, and all the guys that, yep. that provide content, you know, I will listen to John Campy. I will listen to Christian Harloff. I'm sure all those guys will be fine. I don't think Mark did anything wrong uh, except for hiring this douche monkey and also firing these people the day of and not giving them any warning. Other than that, good job, dude. Hope deep fake works for you. All right, uh, another company that's really just absolutely ridiculous, Billboard, which if you didn't know what they were, uh, they're the company that basically takes all the money amounts and lets us know the, uh, the, who is making the most money album-wise for overall and then for each category of music. Um, they made their top rock songs of the decade. And a lot of people were assuming, 
this was based on, you know, uh, how much they made because that's what the billboards, when they show you, uh, that's what it's money-wise. But a lot of people were, like, going into bands that didn't make this list, and not only that, going to the bands that were on this list and saying, wait a minute, some of these are out of order. Some of these don't make a lot of sense. Some of the bands could have been on this list. Uh, either way, whatever the fuck happened, uh, someone doesn't know whoever made this list. I'm assuming one of Jack's friends in Hollywood. Uh, what the fuck <laughs> rock and roll is. Uh, and so I will give you guys the 10 songs from 10, stressed out from 21 Pilots. Uh, Ride is 9 at, from 21 Pilots. At 8, a band that I really like, Portugal Demand, that actually has made real rock music, uh, but they're yeah. still still. Their one, their one hit song that basically everyone liked uh, that was nothing like a majority of their other stuff. Uh, Walk the Moon, <laughs> Shut Up and Dance. 21 Pilots, Heathens, uh, at 6, at 5, The Lumineers, hey, or Ho Hey, uh, High Hopes from Panic at the Disco at 4, and then the last three are Radioactive, Thunder, and then Believer is 1 from Imagine Dragons. I will start off, like a lot of people, I'm not going to rip into some of these bands. I actually, I've seen the Lumineers live at, at uh, Bonnaroo. They did a Bob Dylan uh, medley. They won me over with that. Ooh, um, I, I, I actually like them as a... I like them as a folk band, and I think that they are a folk band, and I don't think that's a bad thing. They are folk rock. Uh, you know, uh, Walk the Moon, that Shut Up and Dance song is catchy as fuck. Um, you know, Pink of the Disco, I liked a lot of their older stuff back when I was younger and a little bit uh, less mature. And uh, for the ones that made the most, I don't know a lot of 21 Pilots besides those songs that are on this list. And Imagine Dragons, I don't think are terrible. I just think all this is fucking pop music. Uh, you know, some of it's like new, new wave, I guess you could say, you know, with Imagine Dragons, where they're using a lot of like technology mixed in with vocals and different types of beats and stuff. So I can, I can go, all right. I mean, it's technically rock, but to me, this is a fucking joke. God damn it. I got to pause because this gives me a brain aneurysm every time I think about it. To say these are the top 10 and also to give three for 21 pilots and three for for Imagine Dragons is a fucking joke. I'm going to name some albums, guys, uh, before I pass it to you, that came out in this last decade that sold a hell of a lot of money that had hit songs on all of them. Uh, Wasting Light from the Foo Fighters, my actual personal favorite Foo Fighters song, came out in 2011. Uh, Rope, Burning Bridges, they had like at least six huge hits. All of them were big on the charts. No, this one really baffles me, and I'm not the biggest fan of them. Not saying I dislike the Arctic Monkeys, but AM was a huge fucking album. Uh, I think everyone heard Are You Mine or Do I Want to Know all over the fucking radio. Good actual fucking rock band. The Black Keys came out with El Camino, Let's Rock, Brothers, Turn Blue, all within this last decade. Nothing from them. Are you fucking serious? And then Jack White, one of my favorite albums of this last decade was Lazaretto from Jack White. Uh, Blunderbuss was also made within, was it 2012, and Lazarell was 2014. Um, what the fuck is, I just don't get it. I mean, even like, I, I don't expect bands like the Royal Bloods or, or the Struts or, or, or Greta Von Fleet to make it because they're new and, you know, they've made songs, but they're not as big. But like the Foo Fighters, Jack White. Uh, Weezer's had albums in the last couple of years. Like all these rock phenoms, some of them, are younger. They're from the last decade. Like Jack White is 2000s to me. And he made some great solo albums by himself in this last decade. The Black Keys, 
my fucking gut. I just do not understand the reasoning, and and I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm going to pass it to you, Nick. What, what do you think rock and roll is? I, I don't even know nowadays. Um, I yeah, I don't I don't think any of these bands are particularly rock and roll. Um, I think that's it's kind of what has become the quote unquote rock charts, and that's fine. It evolves. I think it. I don't take as much umbrage, I think, as you with what the billboards are classifying it as. I, I guess I take more umbrage with, like, just people's general taste in music. Like, dude, I think 21 Pilots is one of the most overrated fucking bands. Like, they're fine. I, I'm not – I don't want to sit here and, like, slander a, a band, um, you know. But like, Oh, well, they suck. Yeah, they're kind of like the new Nickelback, man. Like, they're just, like, they're fine, but, like, they're not really that good. Like, every time I hear a 21 Pilot song, when I turn on the radio, and it happens a lot, I'm just like, oh, God, song again. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I imagine Dragons, I, they're, that, that radio, Radioactive, that was, like, their first big hit. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is okay. And then, like, everything after that was just, like, worse and worse and worse. That fucking Thunder song, oh, my God, that's such a terrible song. It's a fucking, that's a fucking terrible song. Um, and, like, the little backing tracks that they have, Thunder, Thunder. Like, oh, my God, it's, it's fucking annoying. Um, like, this is not rock music, man. And it, it's, again, what, I, what I'm really trying to get across is, it, it really fucking paints the picture of what is popular rock music nowadays, and it's just terrible. Like, I'm hoping, as all things do, um, that, you know, it, this is a phase and we'll move through it, and there will be new bands that come out and new tastes, and younger audiences will gravitate towards sounds that are more like the sounds that you and I appreciate, Dane. Um, but, like, as of this past decade, like, that's just a, like, I like maybe, like, two songs on that whole fucking list, and, and one of them, like you said, is a folk song, like, I, I actually do like Hey Ho, I think it's a really good song, um, but that's not a rock song, um, I don't mind it being on the list, because at least it's, like, something on the list that I fucking actually enjoy, um, but, like, yeah, it's just, it's, it sucks, it sucks that, like, that, like, it, this is what people gravitate to. Um, like when you, I guess nowadays when you think about like um, like quintessential rock bands, you think about uh, Imagine Dragons and Twenty One Pilots. And like God, if I was ever to go to a show and those two bands were the headliners, I, I mean, I just wouldn't go. First of all, but like secondly, like God, that's just terrible. That sucks. It really fucking sucks. Um, I, I hope that this decade will usher in some new bands that are, um, a little more pleasing to the ear, um, for me personally. Um, and hopefully, you know, they will be bands that a lot of people gravitate towards. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of good bands. You named several of them. Um, that have come out in the past decade or that have just released music in the past decade. And it sucks that, like, those actual rock bands weren't, um, you know, uh, weren't popular or at least weren't popular enough 
um, to kind of make this top chart. I would be interested to see, and I, I you know, I if I was due diligent, I would have done my uh, research. Um, but I would be interested to see like what were the top rock rock and roll charts, Billboard top ten for the '60s and the '70s and the '90s, um, '80s. I'm not a big fan, but like like. To like just that have that list to kind of juxtapose those with, you know, the w- what we got out of this one. Um, I think it would be a very interesting, um, interesting split, um, if you will. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that, uh, Joel. So in a world where we're talking, you know, where uh, Post Malone and Little Yachty and Cardi B represent hip hop. <laughs> And now, apparently, Imagine Dragons and 21 Pilots are the rock bands of this era. Are we just getting old and just being stingy, or does music fucking suck? What'd you think? <laughs> I think we have the 50-50 there. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't right, speak to music. Uh, yeah, I can't. Like, we're never going to like new music. Like, we don't like a lot of new cartoons. <laughs> that's kind of how I look at it. You just look down on everything that's new. Uh, it's not sure. for us. You know, that's that's really what it is. Uh, I look. I'm not a music person like at all. I listen to music. I don't know people's names most of the time. I just like I I, I, I still listen to fucking Disturbed and shit. <laughs> like that's all I really like old music. Old. <laughs> um, uh, I don't I don't know a lot. Look, I look at this top ten list and I, I know why they're there because I've heard at least two of them, uh, and I know at least one of those bands. No two. I know Twenty One Pilots. I I can't name one song aside from the ones that are right in front of me. But I I don't, I don't even know any of them sound like. Imagine Dragon. I know those guys are as pop as you're gonna get when it comes to rock. Pop rock at its best. Uh, I know Believer. I know Radioactive. I might know Thunder. I'm not sure. They have better songs than that, in my opinion. I've heard some, they have some good shit. But yeah, okay. There you go. Oh, maybe I'll do that one. Um, either way, um, I. That's, look, this is not really my music to begin with. Um, a lot of new music isn't my music. I, I'm more of a podcast guy these days. When I'm in the mood for music, I usually go back to like the early 2000s <laughs> or 90s, even 80s. You know, I'll go back that way. Um, uh, is there a good song out there you guys want me to you want to recommend so I can get into some new music? I'll do that. Sure, I'll I'll I'll, I'll take that into consideration. <laughs> it sounds like I should give you about five I'll recommend thousand. some like actually good music to you before I recommend new music to you, Joel. <laughs> yeah, that's fine too. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, yeah. I just I'm I'm down to to listen to something new because uh, I'm I'm way out of the loop when it comes to music. Hey, Dane. Um, I I don't know the band, um, but I mean I feel like I should. And maybe maybe this band is on the list. Maybe not the song, or maybe even the song is. But what's the song? Um, I don't want to sing it, but like um, the, the when I was a young boy, my father took me to the city. Um, do you know the song I'm talking about? Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, the lyrics are you know like. Uh, when I was a young boy, my father. Oh, uh, my chemical romance. That was actually the last decade. Like, and I'm not like that's thank you. I'm not even like a my chemical romance fan, but that's a rock song. Like, that's an actual fucking rock song that's actually good. Um, and like, like, nowhere to be found. Like, like, that's that's the thing. Wait a minute. Like, even like. 
even a song like that that like I I I don't I don't love the song, but it's a good song. It's an actually like really good song, um, and it gets a lot of radio play. I would have thought maybe it could have made this list, um, but no, or, no, no or uh, no, no, Cage the Elephant either, who put out like three albums right? last decade. Right? Yes. Oh, dude, you that's know, a I really mean, good point. Uh, like, I mean, no yeah, Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. I mean, not one of my favorites, but what's the newer one that they did? Not the not the Pompeii one, but the um, the one that sounds like um, uh, shit, um, like an early nineties song. Uh, I don't I don't know what it's called, but like it, it was the single uh. before the Pompeii one. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, they, like they've got they've got plenty of like hits. Um, uh, that I feel like again are more like rock, um, and it, it just sucks that like they get beat out by all of this music that that just kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, whatever. Well, uh, you you know we were talking about the old, the new. Well, combine that for music uh, for a little subcategory. We're gonna get a new album from Mr. LL Cool J, who's been working. Over at Def Jams uh, with a guy named Q-Tip. He hasn't had an album since 2013 with Authentic. Uh, And uh, basically the reason why I'm excited is because, well, LL Cool J was late 80s, early 90s hip-hop, and that's probably my favorite era. And not only that, he worked with Rick Rubin, who is one of the – I don't know if he still co-owns or even produces at Def Jams, but him and Leon Russell made Def Jams. They also, he also produced uh, guys like the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, you know, just a couple bands, Public Enemy, uh, here and there. But Rick Rubin, main guy in Def Jams, always works with LL Cool J. He's bringing in Q-Tip, who Q-Tip is the rapper and producer for a band called Tribe Call Quest. And I swear to God, if you don't know who the fuck that is and you like rap, you don't like rap. Um, and uh, Q-Tip also produced on a little album called Illimatic, which was Nas' first album. Uh, he's a, just an immense producer. L. Cool J commented and said that he is the Dr. Dre of the East. And that is a huge praise, I think, especially from someone that's been in rap as long as he has. And it's fast. So you have – exactly. <laughs> so you have one of the oldest uh, rap, rap uh, labels uh, from New York, Def Jams, producing a new, lab, or new album with L. Cool J with – Probably Rick Rubin's involvement and Q-Tip from Tribe Call Quest is going to be producer. I'm assuming he's going to throw some some lyrical content on there. He said he wants to bring this back because modern hip hop needs this. So I think they're going to go back to to the roots, basically, of hip hop. A lot of people are excited about this online, including Buster Rhymes, uh, the Professor. Which, if you don't know who that is, he's the one on Illimatic uh, from Nas who made the beat for. Um, uh, New York, what is it? Um, damn it. Uh, I can't remember the damn song. I'll figure it out while I'm just losing my brain right now. Uh, but either way, uh, New York State of Mind, which is one of my favorite rap beats of all time, and did a majority of that album with Q-Tip. So this is pretty fucking awesome for hip-hop. What do you think about it, Joel? Again, guys. <laughs> like, no, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm – yeah, yeah, I'm still out of the loop when it comes to I'm not biased. <laughs> I'm just completely out of the loop on a lot of shit. But um, I do know uh, is uh, I like I listen to a lot of old LL shit. Q-tip, I know who Q-tip is. Uh, it's cool that they're doing shit together again or at all. Uh, and it's just 
cool. I mean, I mean, I'm not really. I don't have not much to add to that. It's, I'm excited for it because you know something new to listen to, and considering I live in the past when it comes to music, why not? God damn it. Uh, anyway, Joel, thank you so much for that <laughs> enticing uh, opinion on that. Uh, <laughs> Nick, what do you think about this? And, uh, you know. <laughs> hey, at least he's honest, man. Um, yeah. But uh, Dane's mama just told him to knock you out, uh, Joel. So yep. I'm just, I'm just going to uh, And I'm bad. Um, so, so don't mess with me. I'm <laughs> bad. <laughs> um, but no, nah, like, here's the thing. Like, I don't I don't follow rap anymore. Um I think I will start to follow rap um when Outkast drops a, a new record. Um and this is kind of in that same vein. Like even more old school obviously, but like dude, like rap sucks nowadays. Just like rock sucks nowadays. And like Joel said, maybe it's just cuz we're old and you know, we don't understand the music of this this generation um this like kind of gen z generation or even like honestly our own generation for you for all of us um mm. but it, this this is the kind of rap music that i gravitate towards like tribe called quest fucking uh nwa run dmc uh and then even even getting in like to a little later like fucking Tupac, Biggie, um, like those are the kinds of things. Uh, and of course, Outkast, who I mentioned earlier, uh, like those are the, the that's the kind of shit that I actually enjoy listening to. Like it it takes more than just a good beat and some fucking mumble rapper who's just saying shit that I can't even understand. And there's like this heavy auto tune and I can't. I can't even make out the words that he's fucking saying. Um, like it's just—it's so annoying. I saw a fucking commercial yesterday, and Joel, you might—you might know the commercial I'm talking about. It was like—it uh, was a commercial with with Giannis Antetokounmpo, and it was like okay. a like a little thing where he was like listening to AirPods, and he what? essentially. Um, you know, was 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 like listening to this fucking like mumble rap, and I was just like, oh my god, I cannot fucking tolerate this. This is fucking terrible. This is so bad. Um, and yeah, so like at the very least, I like the fact that like maybe we're gonna get, even if it's not like great, like even if they don't come out like with any kind of like thing that's like, bam, listen to that fucking track. At the very least, at least it's not the same fucking shit that like they release yeah. day after day now. So I think that Look, in and of I'll, itself is a positive. I'll say this: uh, I've always, I've always been like this. To me, it's always been more about the beat and or the rhythm or the sound more so than the words themselves. Uh, for me, uh, when it comes Blackly. to music, so like I, I, I always said, no, I'm just saying, I get that. I'm just saying. That's why I think mumble rap is this because it never fucking matters. <laughs> you just have to have right. a nice beat. And just say shit. You don't really. I mean, for it to be deep, for it to have meaning, yeah. For it to end to be entertaining, you don't need fucking words that even make sense. Because half the time I'm making up my own words anyway. I'm just saying. Oh God. This is proven. 
It's true. God, you're gonna, you're, you're, no, you, it's not you true. That's, that's, that, is a, that is an opinion, okay? Entertainment is an important thing when it comes to music, but artistry is just as important. And the thing is, if you fucking just make it so it's fast food for people, they become dumber and their expectations for music becomes less. So I completely yeah. disagree with that. No, I agree with you. I'm just saying it's just it's a proof. Now it's proven that it doesn't really matter what you say because most of you can't understand those motherfuckers. But they still records. I don't. I don't know how to explain Ugh. it. I'm not saying I agree with it, but it it is what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were unfortunately. I, I no, get what I mean, you're I saying. You're yeah. Right. Un- unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. For sure. Okay. Well, either way, this is a good thing, and I think that we'll be seeing. Some stuff happening because I know that they're and I've been saying this for a while. I know that a lot of of the old hip hop legends are kind of like, what the fuck? Because to me, it's like, man, I thought the Soldier Boy, Waka Flocka, OJ Juice Man era of rap was fucking uh-huh. terrible, and now this stuff makes it look like fucking like Nas, Biggie, and Tupac were resurrected. But yeah, I just uh, what, I remember those. whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. One thing that was cool, speaking about Rick Rubin. Besides making all those guys BC Boys run DMC, like I said, he also produced a lot of other people, including Johnny Cash. Uh, he's had many albums throughout the 90s. Uh, he's a great producer. He had an awesome interview, I think, that anyone who wants to listen to it, where he talks to Andre 3000 in-depthly about music. They talk about personal stress and anxiety and how they suffer from that. And they also kind of talk about the fact that they've never collaborated. So I would love to see also that type of concept anything with andre i wish that he would get back with with big boy like you're saying you know nick we're, we're atlanta boys, yeah so that's always going to be a priority but hey i'll take whatever and especially if it's a production person ever in my opinion that, yeah i completely agree um so we'll have to wait and see but uh let's i got i, I want to talk about some movie related stuff guys because one of them just dropped and actually joel you dropped it while you're on air with us Woo. and i just saw it on facebook uh, do you want to give Sorry. us the news of what's <laughs> going on with the Batman? No, nah, nothing. I mean, nothing. We already we didn't already know, but it's being now officially confirmed that Matt Reeves has uh, is confirming Colin Farrell as the Penguin. He just announced it on Twitter, like maybe nice. Uh, so that's official. He uh, Colin Farrell is the Penguin, Oswald Cobblepot. Ooh, that is a very exciting uh, thing for a confirmation because we all knew he was going to be involved. We didn't know if it was going to be – a lot of us were like at first, I think, you know, what? Because obviously Colin does not look like a stereotypical, you know, penguin person, if you will. Uh, I hope no one from the penguin world gets mad at me for for saying that. But, uh, you know, fucking find me on Twitter is all I got to say. Either way, (laughs) but – now that the confirmation is there, I'm very uh, excited. And I will say that Colin Farrell is such a good actor. I have no problem with him doing a character performance like this. I'm assuming that they're probably going to heavily you know, put him in makeup and, and make him look more like the Penguin. And uh, I think it's very interesting. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a really fun performance, and it's got one of the best and most underrated actors, I would say, uh, nowadays with Colin Farrell doing it. Um, what did you think about this uh, information, Nick, now that you're just hearing it live on air? Confirmation. Um, that's fucking awesome. I will say this. I find that um, Colin Farrell's uh, performances are 
directly, in my opinion, directly related to whether he is um, trying to do an American accent or doing his own accent. Like there's a correlation between whether I like his performance or not. Um, I find him very much more pleasing when he's just not trying to do an American accent. Um, So we'll see what comes of this. Um, There's not – there's – honestly, I I struggle to think of a performance that he's given where he's doing an American accent that I loved. Um, Maybe there is one that I'm just forgetting. Um, But like all of his best performances, he's just fucking talking in his own fucking tongue. Um, I wonder what they're going to do with that. Um, but he is, like you said, he's, he's a very underrated actor. He's a really, really good actor. Um, and I'm totally down with it. I, I would have probably preferred Jonah Hill for the role, um, who obviously was speculated for it, but turned it down. Um, and it is what it is, but, uh, nevertheless, I, I mean, I think Colin Farrell is just as good of an actor, um, and I he's in my third favorite movie of all time in Bruges, um, and he's so fucking great in that movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I love Colin Farrell. I, I uh, I'll, I'm interested to see what like his take uh, on this character will be, and I mean, just just to accentuate this cast to like round out this fucking badass cast that we've already got like just adding another fucking like top tier name at least in my opinion um to this cast of already like top tier names um but like it's weird i i I would i would say all of these names are top tier but they're not hollywood top tier if that makes sense like they're not like the mm-hmm. names that you would like you would gravitate towards to like you'd be Giant like oh this person's stars. in this movie I'm gonna go see it. Um, right. But in like, terms of talent, right? But in terms of talent, like all of these fucking actors are fucking awesome. So like, yeah, dude, right. I'm so excited. I can't wait to fucking see what Matt Reeves does with Batman. Like I think, like oh, no. I, I I think the fact that like we got so fucking spoiled with Christopher Nolan doing Batman. Um, it like set the bar so high. And then Snyder came in and you know, I I I think there were I I think he understood Batman. I really do. I think he if he had been more of a like a director and just more of like involved in the creative side but not involved in like the screenwriting I think those stories could have been so much better because I do think he understood Batman. I just don't think he's a really good screenwriter. Um, Reeves, on the other hand, has proven to be a really good screenwriter, both with, um, you know, the the uh, what uh, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, which was the finale, and then uh, what uh, Rise Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which was the sequel. Um, I believe it was both Rise, of those yeah. fucking movies are fucking amazing, um, and. Yeah. Like to have him involved, you know, to have him with this cast and to be tackling this like iconic character, I'm so fucking pumped, dude! I can't wait to see what he comes up with. Um, and and you know what? Like, um, as much as 
you know, maybe people want all of these things to tie together and everything. I think the three of us have kind of just reconciled ourselves to the fact that, like, they may or may not tie together with the greater DCEU universe, and it's not really that important to us. We just want to see, like, a really good fucking Batman movie because um, it's been a while since we've seen one. What, uh, 2012 is when um, The Dark Knight Rises came out, and a lot of people, like, don't even consider that, like, a really good Batman movie. So if you don't, then you have to go back to 2008 to The Dark Knight. So, you know, like, that's 12 years ago or eight years ago, depending on, you know, what your qualifications are. Uh, And so either way, though, it's been a while. So I'm just really excited for that, and I think Colin Farrell just adds another – like stellar fucking uh actor uh to this 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 list of of actors uh to for you know Matt Reeves to be able to work with and I'm just super pumped. Yeah, he's getting a lot of cool action figures to play with in this whole entire fucking thing. That's for sure. <laughs> uh Very Colin true. Farrell, he's he's from Dublin, Ireland. He's got that accent. We've talked about that. I kind of hope Joel uh, that they position this version of the Penguin very similar to the uh, the Arkham uh, Asylum, Arkham City yeah. version of him. You know, yeah. lots of prosthetics, but also just make him that grimy, you know, British or Scottish or Irish. You know, I don't remember exactly Cock- who, what Cockney. exactly. Yeah, just yeah, try to like embody his normal. Accent. Try to embody mm-hmm. that co- concept uh, a lot more. Uh, any closing statements about Colin Farrell as the Penguin before we move on? Did you say Cockney, Joel? Cockney. Cockney, yeah. Yeah, Cockney. Cockney. Nice. Yeah, like, let him do that. I bet he can do an excellent Cockney accent. I'm down for that. You should, That'd check, be awesome. you should check out, uh, Nick, if you if you haven't played Arkham Asylum or, or Arkham Origins, the actor that played the Penguin in that, I, I try to figure it out, but that voice and that style of Penguin, I think is exactly how they should model uh, with Colin Farrell. Right. It would probably nice. work I out, agree. especially he with actually that had- and uh, well, the Telltale game. Why don't y'all send me like a cutscene cut yeah. or something? I can do sure. that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, um, he's actually uh, in the Telltale games. He also has a British accent. I don't remember if it's Cockney, like the one in um, the Arkham, but it's, uh, it, it is like a British gangster style. And he also like he's also like a thin penguin in the fucking uh, Telltale game, but. I don't know, like I don't know how they're gonna visually how they're gonna do Penguin, but hopefully you're right. He has an accent, and I pref- I would prefer Penguin with you know some uh, I, I guess from like England. I, I don't know something different. They gotta switch it up. It has to be different from the Penguin we already saw. Less mutant, more human, and foreign. <laughs> and I'll take it because you know Colin Farrell's a man. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, another thing. Uh, it's not been confirmed yet. But we found out that Christian Bale, uh, there is a good chance that he's going to be in the new Thor movie, uh, I think it's Pride and Thunder, uh, you know, involving uh, – ne- That's right, Love and Thunder. That involves uh, uh, the female Thor character, and, um, you know, it, it's shaping up to be a really fucking, I think, cool movie. I know I was a little bit down on Ragnarok compared to others. I just felt like certain characters were very out of place, but I still think visually – it was an awesome movie, and I really like Taika Waititi's um, movie style. I'm just wondering, Christian Bale, to me, is one of the best actors uh, in this generation of actors. Uh, I, I, I think he's incredible. Wow. He can do no wrong. Um, I think that 
it's good to have him in something besides Batman to let him just try and, and mess around. I can't think of what character, though, that he could be possibly playing. i got to be honest with you. i got to maybe think about it when I pass it to you guys, but that is the question. If this is, re- if this is true and he ends up getting a part in this movie, who the fuck do you get Christian Bale to play? Because I hate to throw some shade, but we've had very favorite actors of mine, like Carl Urban and especially Idris Elba, play shit roles in these films, to me at least, compared to what they're acting yeah. uh, to qualified for a better role. So I'm a little bit nervous on that. Uh, I don't think they would do that with Christian because I think they hold him at a higher standard. I mean, you're getting the old fucking Batman, so I, I would assume they would give him a pretty meaty role. But either way, that's some involvement. I would assume that's going to be a big character, po- probably or possibly the villain. Uh, Nick, what do you think yeah. about Christian Bale being in the new Thor movie? I would fucking love it. I, I'm thinking more along the lines of Kate Blanchett. Like that's what I think we're gonna get as far as the type of role that he plays. He's not going like you know Christian Bale. He's not going to sign on to do multiple movies, so it's gonna be a character that is gonna be kind of one and done. Who may appear <clears throat> later on, but probably won't. Um, like I mean, I don't, I don't think Kate Blanch. I mean, obviously Kate Blanchett's character is not going to appear in. Um, movies that take place further down the timeline because of how Ragnarok ended. Um, so any any appearance that she would have would be prequel, you know, you know, land. Um, but I don't. I mean, I I doubt she would want to you know reprise her role. Like I I just don't think so. Um, but uh, you know, she was fucking great in that movie. Um, she definitely added like. All of the necessary elements to me uh, to to present like a a, a decent um, villain with a good backstory and good motives and everything else, um, and uh, I think that's probably what they're going for here: getting a, another like really well-renowned actor to come in and play a villain. Um, to try and give a little more levity to their villains because we always talk about how their villains are just kind of throwaway, less so now. We probably don't talk about it as much as we did three or four years ago, but still, um, when you can get like a top-notch actor to come in like a Kate Blanchett or like a Christian Bale… Um, to portray your villain, even if it's just a one-off villain, um, it, they're going to add so much to that performance <clears throat> that even if you don't write them to be, um, you know, the most intriguing character, they're going to act their ass off, even you know, in in the limited scope that they have, and and give you everything for that particular role. And I think that's what this kind of speaks to to me that like Taika probably wants to kind of recapture that kind of same thing that he had with Kate. And I think it's a good move. I really do. I think um, if you can get Christian Bale to come in and be the villain of this movie, and I have no idea who he would be portraying, but if you can get him to come in um, and and portray a, a, a villainous character, why the fuck not? Because I mean, he is a, Phenomenal actor. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, guys. I'm looking over other people. Um, for villains, man, it's like they've gone over a majority of, of Thor's major villains uh, within this, and a lot of the other ones are kind of side characters. I mean, Right, and the biggest one can... that they haven't done is not male, obviously. It's Enchantress. In, yep. you know. Yes, that's a very good point, yeah. And um, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of, like, reasonably uh, great gargoyle. Mephesto they haven't done anything with, but you would think that if they did something with a demonic character, it would have been more with Surther. Uh, so yeah. I don't expect that. I know hero-wise, they've never introduced Thor and Loki's brother, Balder, who is actually Odin's favorite son. Uh, it's weird how they have <laughs> cut him out of the mythos since he's so prevalent and important within the, the actual Norse mythology. And he's a huge character in the comic books as well. Um, but I don't think I don't think he could do route. that. Uh, then you have – yeah, exactly, because Hela kind of takes that place as being exactly. – uh, like yeah. we, wouldn't, we wouldn't want another sibling. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, right. it's like if you do bigger, do you, do you think Christian Bale would stick around to be someone like Doctor Doom or Galactus? I doubt it, and I don't know if they're no. going to go with that with Thor movie. Uh, and God, then there's he would Hero be Such a great Galactus, though, wouldn't he? <laughs> he would. He would be great at either one of those roles, but I just don't feel like they would introduce those characters in this, and I don't think that he would want to stick around to play them more than one movie. And then no, the only other person I, I can think of is is Hercules. Uh, but still, he's not like he's, he can get Again. buff. Don't get me wrong. But do you want to really get him that big? And would you really want him to play like a weird, funny character? Like I just don't think that that would work no. out that well. Oh, well uh, Joel, what do you think? I think Hercules oh. would be a character that you would want to reprise the role. You know, like you yeah. would want yeah, him right. to come back. So. Yeah, I agree, Joel. Hungry? What do you think? Do you have an idea? I have no idea, and that's hard because you know <laughs> Thor. I mean, it's one of those things. And look, I can usually name someone, but it's really hard when you don't. It, yeah. It's I don't know Thor comics all that well to begin with, and like you said, we used a lot of the good ones already. So for me, it's kind of really weird. I have no idea. I mean, maybe it's a a deep cut character that they're just going to refurbish out there. They're using the Jane Thor the Jane Foster Thor storyline more or less. So maybe it's a character from those comics I definitely haven't read. So like it could definitely be a new character. Um, so like, I think we're going to be surprised whichever it is. I do believe it'll probably end up being a villain um, because, you know, I think that's a character just like they did with, uh, with Hela that they, even if you, it, it's probably good enough for just a one time, as long as they don't treat it like Malekith and it was more like Hela, I'm fine with whatever they do. I'm just, Excited oh, yeah. Back, you know what I mean? Malekith was kind of wasted, and a good actor wasted on that that role, unfortunately. But, you He's know, okay, hey, sure. Christian Bale, you can't you can't drop the ball here. You know, this dude's the man. <laughs> Christian Bale is going to get whatever character he's, he's going to do, he's invested probably. <laughs> so you got to – don't waste it. Don't waste it because he's going to yell at you if you do. Yeah, <laughs> there's, no, there's no fucking way that I could see him playing – there's a list right now that's actually from uh, comicbook.com, who's not reliable when it comes to movie mm-hmm. news most of the time, but they have a good, like, top ten. Um, Better Ray Bill. Can't see that. I don't know why the hell you get Christian Bale to no. have, like, a fucking horse face. Adam Warlock. No. Interesting, but why would he be involved with Thor? Uh, the Minotaur no. Dario Agur. I don't know who the fuck that is. Galactus. We no. already talked about that. Balder. We already talked about that. Hercules. Uh, Hercules' brother Ares. 
uh, Pluto, which is another character, but that's a Greek god. Like, why would you get him involved with the fucking? None of these really make a lot of damn sense. It's it's gonna be hard. And then the last one is himself. Thank you, comicbook.com. Never mind what I said. Fucking ridiculous. Anyways, so we'll just have to wait and see. It's some interesting <laughs> stuff. Um, involving Marvel and one of our last subjects, uh, apparently, and this is a rumor, uh, you know, very much stated even by the original source, that Universal might be giving the rights. Uh, I don't know if it's finally at the time period where they've not done anything with them, but the rights for the Hulk solo films and Namor as a character might be going back to Marvel. Uh, the reason why Marvel hasn't done solo movies with the Hulk or been able to use Namor is because Universal owns the, distribu- the distribution rights to the characters. So this was picked up by, I, I can't remember the outlet, but I will say that John Campia backed oh. the gentleman up by saying that this guy has recently started his new site, but used to work for IGN, and he actually has credible sources. So he, he let everyone know this is not just some, some schmo that doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. There's actually some credibility behind the person, but from what he knows from that person and from what that person said, he heard it from someone, it's from a good source, but we're supposed to take it as a rumor. So this has been something that we've been thinking about you know, this has been something in the making for a very long time. Universal has sat on these characters for a very long time. Could Marvel, minus Spider-Man and that whole entire relationship, actually have every character in their universe and also now all the characters that they have within their movie universe to be able to use, but actually have all the characters back in movie form with these Universal characters? Joel, what do you think about this rumor? Um... I hope it's 100% true. Uh, I did share it because I do trust the source. Like uh, John Campbell was saying, uh, it's MCU Cosmic is the site, and Jeremy Conrad is the source. Um, he, he Look, he's not 100% on his rumors, but he did specify it was a rumor, and um, he's usually pretty accurate. He, he, you know, And it's not usually him most of the time. Like When he says stuff, they'll have, he'll have other scoopers that back him up and say they've heard similar things. So usually when he says something, I'll I'll post it like I'll trust that source. So, MC Cosmic is the source, and uh, I do believe there might be some validity to it. Now, I, I can't obviously because he says the rumor. We can don't be too sure. Don't don't get too excited. But at the same time, um, it'd be really fucking cool. I would really love another Hulk solo movie, at least one other one <laughs> in the MCU, especially one with the Claude dude, you know, named Wolverine. I love that. Um, uh, I just and now you know the idea of doing Namor. They probably won't do a Namor solo anytime soon because of the fact that Aquaman did so did so well. But hey, it is Marvel. They love to throw their schlong around, so you never know. Uh, I definitely mm-hmm. expect to see him in the future, uh, in as a guest in either like a Doctor Strange or an Avengers movie or or, or Black who Panther. knows where. But or yeah, I mean, there's there's so many places for him to be. Uh, and bro, like. Namor, we, it's about Bro. time we get some Namor. You know what I mean? Shit, let's do this. Let's get, let's do this. I want my whole Namor. Let's do the, the classic Defenders. Let's do it. Yeah, I agree, Bro. We definitely need to see some more Namor, and I want Henry Golding to be playing him. Just fucking put him in the next Black oh, Panther as a villain. Uh, what do you That's think one. Oh, about Panther. all this, Nick? Fantastic. Yeah. Or Fantastic Four. Um, 
Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think it would be awesome. And, yeah, I was going to say Fantastic Four would be super fucking cool because I think isn't that where Namor first showed up was Fantastic yeah. Four, I believe? Well, um, um, well he deb- he's old as shit. He, he debuted in the 40s. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. But, the like, they brought him Right, but they didn't yeah, bring yeah, him yeah. back in Fantastic Four. Like, that was his first appearance within yeah, actual I, Marvel yeah, continuity. I believe, yes, he was reintroduced in the Fantastic Four. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, so, like, in that, in Black Panther, whatever, I think it would be totally cool. I would love to see a Namor movie. I would love to see him pop up. They've already teased him, um, you know, with the the um, little, little kind of throwaway line that they had in um, – well, in game, in their in their little press conference thing, um, you know, between Natasha and the other um, people, um, so like I, I, you know, I, I think that would be uh, very very fitting um, for for him to come back, and you know, like you said, uh, Joel, I think if you get the rights to the Hulk back, I don't necessarily think you want to do like a solo Hulk movie, but like. If you could do like a Wolverine versus the Hulk movie, and it kind of be try. like a Wolverine origin story, um, yeah. you know, like, and you could kind of take the bare bones of that story and and reconfigure it, um, where maybe mm-hmm. the Hulk is your protagonist instead of your antagonist, um, and mm-hmm. have him. Like going off into uh, the, you know the Canadian wilderness to find this dude who's just fucking going crazy and you know whatever, um, like that would be fucking really interesting. Um, and and also like we know that even though like you know Marvel doesn't have as much of a um, rivalry with DC as the fans have with each other. Um, yeah, you know, 100%. But what? Are you kidding same, me? I, <laughs> but at the same time, I still think like doing like a uh, a versus movie, it would be their first versus movie um, and, and for that to be like the, the kind of counterpoint, even though like, you know, Civil War was already kind of the counterpoint, but like so have that be the counterpoint for Bat, you know, Batman versus Superman. Um, I think that they would they would revel in that a little bit. Um, but like, I, yeah, I just think that that would be a great setup for a movie, especially like I said, if you flipped it on its head and instead of having uh, Wolverine be your protagonist and you know going to like find the Hulk who's fucking shit up in the you know because um, he's gone crazy, if you had the what? Hulk. You know, like especially the way they've uh, evolved Hulk. Um, if they're going to kind of keep this Professor Hulk type character, if you were to have him like kind of go off on this mission to find Wolverine, um, and and have that be the kind of the the you know the difference, the kind of retelling of the story in a new way, which of course we know um, Feige loves to do. He doesn't want to just tell the same stories from the comics he wants to you know divert from those a little bit and, and and tell new stories um but still use obviously using the comics as a reference and i think that would be very interesting and if they get the rights back to hulk 
and can actually like include his name in the title and have that be his you know his story is essentially going and hunting Wolverine um that that would be really interesting that would be a very fucking interesting story and you could set up so much from that like you could you could set up Alpha Flight in that movie you could set up the X-Men um or they could already have been set up and you could transition um you know Wolverine uh into the X-Men um and then maybe later into the Avenger into the Avengers with the olive branch that the Hulk was the one who came and um you know fucking pulled him out of this um you know uh uh i don't know wilderness state if you will um so i i think there's a lot you can do with the whole character if you get the rights back um and that would be the main one that i think would be worth pursuing since you now have the rights back to x-men um and it would be it would be a really cool introduction to wolverine it would be something that I, I think fans like us could see coming, um, but like I don't think your average like fan would necessarily see coming, um, and yeah. and you know maybe you could catch them by surprise there and and give them like a different like a, a slightly different take on Wolverine like they always kind of showed him being on the edge of this sort of crazy um, animalistic state. But they never really showed him in completely in the animalistic state. And if you were able to pull that off and you know portray him as this antagonist, it would be very interesting. And then you could absolutely go and delve into the backstory of that character, um, which I think Disney is obviously going to do because he's such an important character. Um, but yeah, I think it would be really cool, and I think that's probably the coolest storyline that you could pull out um you know for the hulk um it would be that and it would be obviously um you know uh essentially like hulk versus um shit i'll i'll uh i'll let y'all uh race towards telling me what the fucking group is called but uh thunderbolt ross what's his group called the Thunderbolts? The government. No, there you go. The, the evil government. <laughs> yeah, the Thunderbolts. Um, oh, like the original the Hulkbusters. <laughs> yeah, but like you could you could do like Hulk versus the Thunderbolts. Like maybe like that would be something you could do. But I think Hulk versus Wolverine would absolutely be the best possible scenario. Yeah, I, ju- I just want everyone home. Play. You know, I I just want everyone home, and I think that, you know, obviously we have everything with Sony, but it looks like it's just crazy in the retrospect that revitalizing Marvel going forward, we're going to see X-Men, we're going to see Fantastic Four, Deadpool's happening. We don't know if it's PG-13 or R, but Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool is coming to the MCU. We now have the option maybe for the Hulk to be involved in his own solo films, Namor being a main character like he's supposed to be, Doctor Doom, Galactus. There's so many characters now a part of it. All the side characters with Sony, you know Sony's like, hey, if we're doing this, that's going to be included somewhat. So I expect Venom to kind of have an interaction with the MCU. What I'm saying is they actually have a hell of a lot more going for them to be able to make this happen and put out awesome stuff for a good amount of time. So I'm very excited about that. And as a fan, I think everyone should be. Uh, Whether or not this happens or not, it's still 
Um, it's still good to be a, a, a MCU fan, a Marvel fan. Uh, all right, so I had one last thing I wanted to talk about, just a little statistic that I found. Uh, that I listened to Joe Rogan. They were going into this, and then I went to the article. It's on um, – what is it on? Uh, PewResearch.org. That's PewResearch.org. And the article was how Twitter users compare to the general public. And there's a lot of other websites that have gone to this whole entire thing. And basically, I'm just going to make a statement and then see what you guys think, and then we'll close out the show. But um, basically, from the study, we found out that uh, only less than 22% of U.S. citizens use Twitter. Also, 10% of the users on Twitter tweet the most. That's 90% that casually go on that social media platform. So basically, this is kind of – doesn't matter if it's video games. doesn't matter if it's conflicts. doesn't matter if it's politically – uh, surge, uh, whether it be the one guy that's the highest on the right commenting or all the guys that are very angry on the left. We're talking about a very small group of people that troll and get publicized by the media so that their words and their outrage and their their concepts are created and looked at as bigger than it actually is. And I think that that's actually kind of terrifying in a way, uh, personally to me. Uh, I'm not a fan of Twitter. I, I, I know all the goods and ins and outs for entertainment. Uh, Joel, I know that you're a user of it. Nick, I'm not sure about you, but I really nope. hope people kind of realize that the, the scope of, 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 of intelligence, if you will, that comes from Twitter is much smaller in scope than what you really fucking think it is. So there's some food for thought. Uh, you know, being a Twitter user, uh, Joel, what do you think about that statistic coming out? Are you are you uh, confused by it, or or does that make a lot of sense to you? I mean, I'm not really surprised by it. Um, I, as a Twitter user, uh, I, you have to use Twitter responsibly. Words hurt, <laughs> uh, and then you have to also have tough skin because you can't walk into Twitter and and expect people to be nice either because they're just most people aren't. But it's also one of the best places to get information. Like uh, it, as long as you know where you're looking, it, they usually get information first. So it's very much a place I like to be at and scrounge around. And our personal Twitter account and the people that go there, for the most part, great people and they're fun to interact with. And we have our good conversations. And celebrities are on there, and uh, a whole bunch of people out there that do sports and. So even getting if you get lucky, you run into a conversation with actually someone that's important. That's pretty cool. So Twitter is not all bad, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of annoying fucking people on Twitter. And this one every day, there's at least one person that that writes something absolutely ridiculous, and I have to just breathe and just either if it's really bad, like it's constant, you could always just mute them and you never see their tweets again. <laughs> but I've never actually had to do that because I've, I've been able to restrain myself. But if it ever comes that you can always mute somebody and say that person's annoying, never want to see their tweets, so you never do. Um, you can block people if, you, if they if they bother you, even though I'm not popular enough to get bothered, so <laughs> no one really bothers me. Um, but, hey, you know, it's just a giant hodgepodge of comments. So, I mean, as long as you use it responsibly and are not too thin-skinned, Twitter is not all that bad. But at the same time, you can't let – the minority on Twitter, the mind, like sometimes there's these crazy bots out there too that just repeat what the fucking evil people say. But as long as you don't let them bother you and, and you don't let them influence you and your own opinion, you'll be all right. 
And, and Nick, I, I agree with a lot of what Joel said and a lot of the positives that come from Twitter, obviously, uh, because of Kanan and Juwan, uh, you know, a lot of our guests that we've had, uh, famous guests that we've uh, interviewed in the past have been because of interactions on Twitter and that being a primary yep. source of getting that type of thing. But at the same time, I do find it very polarizing that Twitter can basically take an opinion uh, on a political sense, uh, you know, and then me- major media outlets, uh, you know, news will go after that and and you know, take something and make it way bigger than it is. And also, people are losing their jobs because of fucking comments they made on there through people that are trying to mm-hmm. go through them and trying to decipher and find bad things about individuals and exposing James them. Gunn. There are a lot of there, there. You go. There's a lot of negative. Are we allowing a small amount of people too much control with that uh, social media platform? Well, it's interesting because um, that is exactly where I was going – where I was going to go with my statement here. First of all, um, Joel is absolutely right. It is a great source of news. Uh, he does the news for um, NBA Geekly, um, and you know, you have to be able to like get that news as soon as possible for it to be relevant, and the best way to do that is through uh, Twitter. Um, you you know if you want to see what um, you know Adrian Wojnarowski or or, or Sham Sharania or any of those other guys um, who who are the insiders of NBA, um, you have to be on there, um, and you know that's that's one of the benefits of it, um, and so like that that that's all fine and good, but like you said, I I if I'm if I heard you correctly, you said that. Um, 22% of Americans use Twitter, and only 10% of those Twitter users are actually um, people who actually post enough to mean anything. Um, so that would be 2.2% yes. of the population if you break down the, that math. 2.2% of the population. So you, essentially if you're anybody who, who tweets enough to matter in, in that sense, you still only represent – you're still only one of a few who represent 2.2% of the population. Um, and yeah, media has a responsibility not to um, sort of cater to this very small populace, this very small but loud populace um, of the country um, for two reasons. One, because their opinion doesn't really matter um, in, in the grand sense of they don't for enough people for it to really matter. But secondly, um, it, it, you know, if other if people with differing opinions use opinions on Twitter to try to say, look at what these people think. Um, look at what this person on the left said or this person on the right said, and that's what all people on the left and right think, or at least that's the way they want to present it. And that's dangerous, mm-hmm. and that is um, – that's, that's not good for our country. It's only, it only serves to be divisive, and I think that, A, media outlets have to be re- more responsible, which I don't, I don't expect them <laughs> to be because they just want clicks like everybody else. They're all in it for the money. Um, but like it, yep. you know, it also says that like – there's this driving force uh, within our country, 
where the loudest people um, get get to you know control the headlines, and that again is not good. Like both of those things are terrible. I think the latter of them is more dangerous. The loudest people should not be able to control the headlines, whether like I said, whether it be the left or the right. But the problem is because the media like allows them to have this platform in which they talk about them um in in very in different forms of media um they they just continue to give this these very small percentage of people a platform and again if you're talking about 2.2% of the population who's constantly posting on twitter it, when you break it down to like different political factions you're talking about an even smaller percentage you're talking about like 1% or 1.5% or whatever it is um, and when you extrapolate that, it, 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 it's just such an insignificant amount, and you're giving these people um, you know, a, a huge a platform to talk about all of their bullshit, and you're giving all of these people who disagree with them the notion that so many other people agree with them when that's not the fucking case, and it just further divides our country, and I think it's dangerous, and I think we all need to kind of wise up to this fact. And I think Joe Rogan is one of the few people, um, like in in the in the kind of media sphere. Even though he's kind of like this alternative form of media, he's the one of the few people in this media sphere who actually doesn't like. That's not his goal. His goal isn't. He's not to, biased. Like he well, even everybody's biased, but yeah. he's not trying to divide. He's not trying to say this is the way we you need to think, and these people who think another way are wrong. And like this one percent of the population on Twitter who are saying these things represent fifty percent of the rest of everybody, and you need to hate all of them and and protect your side no matter what they do, and even if they do things you don't agree with. You need to still back them because the other side is so bad. It's like we are way more alike um, in the middle of the country um, than we really know. And I think I, I give props to Joe Rogan for like exploring um, that, like that, the notion that like just this small portion of of uh, of Twitter kind of controls so much of what goes on in this country as far as political discourse. And dialogue and 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 social discourse, um, like you know, like we said, like with the what we let off this episode with with Gervais and like his comments on everything. Like Twitter has so much involvement in that kind of things too, and what's PC and everything else. Um, like it, it again, it's just so small. It's just such a small populace, and like we need to. Um, you know, maybe take a step back and and look at the country as a whole, and not just um, think that you know if people are being loud on Twitter that they really matter. That's very well said, and I completely agree with you. And I think that I've said this a bunch, and this kind of uh, confirms it a bit to me: is that the loudest most aggressive people that sometimes come off as the most ignorant people are a small minute. 
amount of people compared to the overall population, but they speak on behalf of whatever thing they represent. Doesn't matter if it's religion, doesn't matter if it's race, doesn't matter if it's political side. They speak on behalf of everyone. They're the loudest, but they're the smallest amount, and they try to make an impact. Anyways, guys, it's been a great fucking show for Monday Suck. Great show for the new year. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank both my co-hosts, Nick and Joel. Thank you guys for joining for today. Guys, go to geekvibesnation.com, and there you'll find uh, basically all of our news, and you'll find links to our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook. Go there if you want to listen to us on something that's not blog talk. If you don't want to listen live, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, we're on all those major platforms. Just come find us. And I got a little thing to say before we leave. Uh, This is from Stephen Barlett. I don't know who that is, but he said, you don't lose real friends, real opportunities, or real relationships when you start standing up for yourself and setting clear boundaries. You lose abusers, manipulators, narcissists, control freaks, attention seekers, and mental health-destroying leeches. Remember that, guys. Thank you guys so much, like I said. Have a happy new year, and thank you, uh, Juice and Thunder Liger. Peace out, guys. Peace. Peace.